Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. Amen. If you would open your Bible with me tonight to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, chapter 12. The book of Hebrews, chapter 12. I'm going to start tonight in verse 8. We'll go to verse 10. And then we'll pick up in verse 12 to verse 16. Hebrews chapter 12, 8 to 10, and then 12 to 16. I want to talk to you tonight about looking forward to your heavenly home. Looking forward to another city. Looking forward to a city whose founder and builder is God. Amen? We live in a fallen world with a lot of brokenness, a lot of sorrow and a lot of grief, a lot of trouble and difficulty. And if we're not careful, we'll believe that that is strange. Amen? If we're not careful, we'll think that that is strange. But Peter said, don't think it strange, beloved, for the fiery trial of your faith. This is what you are to expect, that you have been saved from the world, but not out of this world. Amen? You're saved, but in the world. And in the world, Jesus says, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. You'll have trial. You'll have struggle and difficulty. You'll have burdens and griefs and sorrows. But as the people of God, we are to be not just looking around us at the things that are present with us. Amen? We're not to just look at the joys and the successes or the sorrows and the grief that are happening in the moment. We are to look forward We're looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. Amen? We're looking forward to the fulfillment of our redemption. We're looking forward to the heavenly city that is the new Jerusalem. And this is what the author of Hebrews writes to the believers, the Jews in Jerusalem, to encourage them in their trial. 
He's giving them the hall of faith, right? Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, these wonderful believers who trusted God and walked with God. And here he gets to Abraham as a peculiar and particular example of this faith. And he says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward. Amen? He was looking forward. He wasn't looking behind him. He wasn't just looking at the things that were around him. He was looking forward. Faith looks forward. Amen. He was a man looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. And it says in verse 12, continuing with Abraham, Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar, they received them from afar off, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Verse 14, For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Amen? I want to talk to you tonight about looking forward. Amen? I don't know if I'm preaching good or not, but that's the word of the Lord. The word's good. Amen. You can be encouraged by the word. Amen. I might be dried up well, but this word isn't a dried up well. I might be weak or not a great preacher, but this book sure preaches well. Amen. Amen. Looking forward. I want to talk to you tonight about looking forward. Let's pray tonight. Lord, we ask you that you would come and you would teach us. Lord, to look forward to the coming city of God, that you would teach us to look to the new Jerusalem, that you would teach us, God, to rejoice that we are going to receive a city which cannot be shaken. Lord, that we will be with you in the new heavens, in the new earth, and that the heavenly Jerusalem will come to this world as a bride prepared for her groom. And Lord, through all the bleakness and the discouragement of this life and all of the, the false gold that would tempt us and say, love the world and the things that are in the world and reject the love of the Father, teach us, Lord, to look to that city whose streets are paved with real gold. Teach us, Lord, to look forward to that city that promises us that every tear will be wiped away and And our joy will be eternal. Teach us, Lord, to keep our eyes on Jesus. 
and to walk with Him. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Tonight, I want to remind you, there's a quote by the late C.S. Lewis. He said this, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy. Think of that statement. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy. Is that true? Is it in the nature of man to have a desire so strong for something that no matter how much he gets of everything else, he's never satisfied? How many sports stars and actors and billionaires do we have to hear of who have had the pinnacle of success and money and wealth and beautiful couples and beautiful marriages and all the pleasures of life that you could imagine? Every drug, every alcohol, every high, every ecstasy, and yet they be empty and destitute and without hope. How many of them have taken their own lives and found that there was nothing to be had? Right? How many of them have had that experience? And they've sought it all and walked away completely empty. How many of you know what nihilism is? You know what nihilism is? It's a philosophy that came on the end of another philosophy that said the, the, the real purpose of man is to enjoy life as much as he can. And so people begin to try to live life as pleasurable as they could. Hedonism, right? The pursuit of pleasure for the sake of pleasure. Enjoy life, love life, every wine, every drink, every food, every passion, every experience imaginable. And after that left millions across the world empty and destitute, nihilism became the philosophy that took its place to say there is nothing. There's no purpose. There's no meaning because we have suffered immeasurably and we were miserable and we've had as much pleasure as you could imagine and we're still miserable. There is something deep in the heart of man that has a longing that somehow, no matter what we have, we are not satisfied. And Lewis says, if there is a desire in us that nothing in the world can satisfy, he says, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. If there's something in me hard wired into my very nature that says something is missing, no matter how much you experience the world, you will not be satisfied, you will not be content, you will not say it's enough. If that's true, then there must be another world that I was made for. Amen? He says, if, there, if we find within ourselves a desire that nothing in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. The fact that our heart yearns for something earth can't supply is proof that heaven must be our home. We were made for another world. And so many people are blind and don't know God and they're pursuing the things of the world and they're trying to be happy and they're looking for the affairs of this life and they're looking for this world to be their home. They're identifying with this world. They're looking to the world and they're saying, surely there must be an answer. Surely there must be satisfaction. Surely there must be pleasure. And they have believed the lie of the world because there is a deceitfulness to sin. Amen? Hebrews chapter 3, the 
deceitfulness of sin. And the deceitfulness is the false promise that if you only pursue this pleasure, you will be happy. Right? If you only pursue this pleasure, you will be happy. Isn't that the lie that the, that the serpent said to Eve? Right? You've, you've been given Eden. You've been given a perfect environment. Your body's perfect. Your environment is perfect. Everything is as happy as it can be. But you know what? God's holding out on you. And if you just had this one thing, all of your problems would be taken care of. If you only had this one thing, you would be happy. And it says she looked and saw that the fruit was good and desirable to make one wise. And her heart began to long for it. And she took and she ate and she was deceived and she believed the lie. Right? And how often are we tempted to believe the lie that something in this world can satisfy me and I want it and I yearn for it and if I give into it, it will make me happy. Right? This, this is why people develop addictions, drug addictions, alcohol addictions, and other addictions because they believe if I only give in, I will be happy. I'll be complete. The desire will go away. But how many people pursue that desire? They put the needle in their arm. They drink. They do whatever it is that they need to do. And when it's over, maybe the desire has gone, but they're not filled with contentment. They're con- filled with shame. They're filled still with dissatisfaction. We have been made for another world. And this is what God called Abraham to learn. It says in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. This was a man who was wealthy. He came from a wealthy home and a wealthy family. And he had a large family and identified with that family. And God called to Abraham and said, Come out from them. Come and separate yourself from them. Come out to me. And by faith, He obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. How much of this is the Christian life? Amen? How many of us can say, I know the promises of the Word of God. I know what the Word has said to me. I know Jesus and I love Him and I walk with Him. But I really don't know what the future holds. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I'm not sure how things are going to work out. I don't know where I'm going to be, but I'm going to walk with God and trust that He'll lead me. I know that there's a promise from the Lord. And he says, verse 9, By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. I want to talk to you tonight about this verse and I want, I want to think about this idea that he chose to live in tents and the man was a nomad. He was a wanderer. God said all of this place. He told him what the borders of, of his place would be and the land that God would give to him and to his descendants. But he didn't just walk in there, find an empty piece of ground and just plot his tent there and build a house there and just live there. He roamed all over that land knowing these people own this land. The Canaanites own this land and it's not really my land. And I could make a home here if I identify with these people. 
right? That's the problem. I could make a home here. I could have some permanency. I could have some, some sense of settledness to my life, but I would have to join myself to the Canaanites and be joined with them and identify with them. And God's not called me to identify with them and share the land with them. He's called me to have this land and for it to be mine. And so I'm willing to wander in this place rather than setting down roots. If you know the story of Abraham, you know that God multiplied him and blessed him and he was wealthy and God gave him a lot of blessings, but he never let those blessings trick him into believing that he was to settle down and let this world become his home. Amen? Two things as we're talking tonight. We're talking about looking forward to the city that God's given us, to the inheritance that the Lord has given us, to the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, this place that God wants us to be in a resurrected and new life. Our home in heaven. A new creation redeemed by the grace of God. But it is not just trials that will keep us from there. It can also be the blessings. Amen? We can get too comfortable in the world to where we believe that, yeah, the world's not my home, but the world is getting more and more comfy, more and more settled, more and more desirable, and I'm I'm getting a firmer and firmer grip on the things of the world till I begin to love the world. And Abraham was a man who was blessed of God. God provided for him. He increased, but he was a man who was dwelling in tents. And the point is, he knew that he could have purchased some land, identified with the people, and made a permanent home in the land of Canaan. He could have done that, but he chose to live in tents. He chose to have a life that said, I can be blessed in this place, but it is not my home. I can enjoy the things of this world, but it is not my home. I will not put down roots so that it is so difficult to pick up and move. I have to be willing to move with God when God moves me. In both the light of the tribulation and the redemption that are are to come, and that's what's pictured in the book of Revelation. If you study the book of Revelation and end times, It is not just a book of dreary, terrible things. It is also a book of telling you about Jesus Christ and how He is going to bring His conflict with the world to a head so that He can bring redemption fully into the world. Amen? Praise God. How many of us look at things that are going on in the world and we see the things that are happening and we go, oh no, things are getting scary and terrifying and our hearts grip us with fear. Instead of going, God's increasing the conflict. And the world of darkness is raising its ugly head. But so is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The kingdom of God is coming. And Jesus said that the kingdom is going to come. But he said, but the violent must take it by force. Amen? There will be a violence. There will be a conflict. There will be a bringing things to the head. We have entered into a warfare. Amen? Amen? And as Jesus is getting ready to come back, we see that that warfare intensifies. Amen? And so, praise God, in light of both the idea that the tribulation is coming, world events will increase and amplify, and it will be a dreadful, awful time in the earth. But redemption is also coming, and God will be at work in the world. In the light of the fact 
that it will be tribulation, but there will be redemption. We are to be craving the coming of Jesus. Amen. Both of those things are to be at work in our heart saying, come Lord quickly. Amen. Tribulation comes. Lord, come quickly. Maranatha. Amen. Jesus is doing a work. We see people saved. We see people redeemed. We see the conflict amping up. Both of those things. Come Lord Jesus. In the book of Revelation twenty two seventeen, the spirit and the bride say, come. Amen. This world is stirring up strife and fear and anxiety. It's stirring up division and hatred. It's stirring up anger. It's stirring up confusion. There is a spirit of confusion in the land. Our political leaders, our nation, the news outlets, they change their story from day to day. There is nothing that you can set your hat on and say, this will be here tomorrow. The world is in confusion. There is a spirit of confusion. And if you are letting the spirit of confusion rule your heart to where you're tossed to and fro, you will have no peace. What you need to listen is to the voice and the witness of the Holy Ghost that stirs up in your heart the cry, come Lord Jesus. Amen. And I believe we are in danger in the church of listening more to the spirit of the world that says anxiety and fear and discouragement and terror and anxiety and worry rather than letting the spirit of God stir up in our heart and say, let Let your heart cry, Jesus, I'm ready for you. I want you to come. Come and meet me here in this world. Hebrews 13 verse 14 says this, Here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Amen? We have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Can there be good times in this city? Can there be good times in Brobridge? Can there be good times in Lafayette? Could there be good times in Antioch? Could there be good times in Jerusalem? Could there have been good times in the church of Philippi? There could be good times, but it is not a lasting city. Amen? I I love the United States of America. I am so grateful for how much it has been shaped by the biblical worldview and the measures of freedom that we have greater than any nation in the history of the world. But praise God, America is not the city that is to come. It is not the city that will last forever. Amen? Oh, how many of us have mourned. And when we see America falling, we see it falling every day, every day. Every day, the biblical worldview of our nation is hacked away. Every day, our civil liberties are attacked. Every day, the morality and the righteousness that was here, even with all of its flaws, is being hacked away. And we grieve and we mourn. But there is a city which cannot be shaken. Amen? And Hebrews says, there must once again come another shaking so that the things which cannot be shaken might remain. Amen? Could you think about that with me? If Jesus is building his kingdom in the earth, Jesus says you are to be like a city set on a hill with light that can't be hidden. If God's building his people, his community, his cities and his countries, and it's firm and it's stable and it can't be shaken, but at the same time, There are lots of other things that are being built that we're attached to. Other cities and other kingdoms. And we we have this dual citizenship in the world. Right? Don't we? 
I'm part of the nation of the United States of America, but I'm also a citizen in the kingdom of God. And I want to be a good citizen of the United States of America so that I can be an influence for godliness. But are there not times that my heart is a little too knit to that kingdom? And how good is it to loosen the grip on those things when the Lord allows a shaking to come so that the thing that can't be shaken might remain? Amen? The trials of this life are the tools that God uses to loosen our grip on the things of this world. Amen? You hear me? The trials of life are the tools that God uses to loosen our grip on the things of the world. When we suffer deeply in the fallen world, we begin to yearn with equal depth for the new heavens and the new earth. Amen? To the same degree that you look at the world and your heart grieves and mourns and say, this world is not my home. To that same degree, your heart will lift and say, Lord, I want that new city. I want that new kingdom. I want you to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen? And what does he say? He says in verse 10, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. What does he say in verse 13? These, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his descendants, these all died in faith, having seen them. Or these all died in faith, having received the promises the things prom- not having received the things promised, have mercy. I did learn how to read when I was in school. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar off. Here's the picture that he says the promises of God were a vision in their sight that they saw by faith. And they saw them coming down the road. And you know when you see something coming from a long way down the road, it's sort of hazy. You can't quite make it all out, but you know that it's coming, right? You see it and your heart accepts it. You get excited about it. You anticipate it and you're waiting for it to come. And he says, you see those promises down the road. And they greeted them and they said, you're here for me. These are my promises. I want these promises. I long for these promises. This is mine, that God is going to give us a place. It is our inheritance. It is what he has given us. And they greeted it from afar off. They received it from afar off. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. He says, verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking another country or a homeland. He said, if you call yourself a sojourner, if you call yourself a pilgrim and an exile, you're confessing that this world, the place you're at, isn't your home. And I wonder how many of us, our confession is this world is not my home. Because when we're covered in fear and anxiety and worry, and when our hearts are so attached to the things of the world that when it's shaken, we're torn to our core, that is a confession. It says, this world is my home. I'm not in exile. My life is dwindling. But if my home is in heaven, if I'm part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and when the things around me are shaken, And my heart says, come Lord Jesus. That is another confession. 
that says, I am a stranger and a pilgrim in this world, and my citizenship is in heaven with Christ. He says, verse 15, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. It's been said, this has been said over and over again by so many ministers, that backsliding always begins in the heart to a looking back to the things of the world. It always begins in the heart to a looking back at the things of the world. It says, I've, tra- I've charted this new course. I've begun to walk with God. I've tried to walk with Him. I loved Him. But trials come or dissatisfaction comes. And I begin to look back to that place that I came from and say, maybe it wasn't too bad. You know, maybe those things that I was enjoying wasn't all that bad. Maybe I can go back to those things and enjoy those things. And he says they weren't mindful of that. That's why they didn't go back. Because they could have said, oh, we got family there. We have ancestors there. We can go back. We can have a home. Somebody will give us a house and we can say, this is my inheritance and it's where I want to be. But they didn't set their minds on those things. Can I tell you, beloved, what we need to be doing is what it says in verse 10, looking forward to another city. Amen. And I'll just say to you tonight, that's where our hearts need to be. I'm grateful for the blessings that the Lord has given us. And I mourn and grieve over the trouble and the sorrows of this life. My heart feels like a a roller coaster right now. I'm rejoicing and excited and celebrating about the things that God is doing with this new building. I mean, it's just promises come to pass and the blessing of the Lord is all over it and I'm so excited. And yet yesterday, I found out there's a man that I met just briefly, just for a few moments, a few weeks ago. And little did I know that I was meeting him a few days before he would get COVID. A man with a wife and small children passed away yesterday. My heart's torn and I think about my babies and my children. I imagine those babies growing up without their father and this man that's trying to love and take care of his family. How helpless he must have felt laying in a bed, waiting to die, hoping that he wouldn't and powerless to do anything about it. And my heart is both rejoicing and celebrating and saying, praise God, look at the blessing of the Lord. And looking at those things and mourning and grieving and full of sorrow. And in the face of blessing and in the face of grief, I have to say, these blessings are not my eternal blessings. It is not my home. And this grief and this sorrow will last but a season. But my home is with God. There's another city where there's no more crying And no more weeping. No more tears. And no more grief. And no more goodbyes. No more affliction. No more persecution. Think about all the Christians in Afghanistan. Being told, we know where you are. And we're coming to kill you. Think of it. Think of what you see happening to your country. That we're so blessed to live in. The things that are happening every single day. To dwindle all that was built over the last 200 plus years and your heart will grieve and mourn. But don't let it be the only thing that you see. Don't let that be all of your focus. Those things are but a veil. Amen? 
It's a veil that keeps us from seeing through to the true promises of God and the the land that is coming. But by the Spirit of God, the veil can be removed and we can see Jesus. And we can see the coming of the Lord. And so I say to you tonight, will you let the Lord stir up in you a desire to say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come quickly. The Spirit and the bride say come. Amen. Do you believe Jesus will overcome? Amen. Do you believe that the suffering of this life is not final? Amen. That injustice in this world is not final, right? How many of you still know the case of that young girl that disappeared and was believed to be murdered a few years ago? And I just saw on the news a a final update that the last suspect they had in the case is pleading to some charge of obstruction of justice but it looks like the case is going to end and there's no final judgment to decide who was guilty of murder and that poor girl's probable death is going to go unsolved. And you say, my God, is there ever going to be justice in this world? There will one day be final justice and Jesus will make it all right. Remember what the Lord says, Jesus promised his church as he closed up his final statements to the churches. In Revelation 21 and verse 5, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. <laughs> you say, it doesn't look new. Right? And it, it would make more sense to think that he would said, Eventually I will make all things new. Right? But in our hearts right now, you look at the world and you say, I don't see justice. You're sitting on the throne. You're the king. You're the judge. And where is the righteousness? I'm judging in you. I'm making you righteous. I'm changing you. I'm working in your life. I'm making all things new. But there will be a one day where everything is completely, fully wrapped up. And the old world will be consumed with fire. And there will be a new heavens and a new earth and redemption will be complete. And I tell you, that ought to be the cry and the yearning of your heart. Amen? Let's take a minute and pray and ask the Lord that He would speak to us. Amen. Brother Renee, if you would give us a few moments of worship. And we're going to ask the Lord that He would teach us to look forward. Not to just look at the things that are around us. Not to look at the griefs and the afflictions that are behind us, that haunt us even to today. But to look forward to another city where all sin is forgiven. The curse is removed. The blessing is there. Tears are wiped away. The bodies are healed. And life is made new. Let's pray. Lord, I need you. Lord, my heart is so quickly overwhelmed with the things of this world. And how quickly do I forget that this world is not my home? I need your comfort. I need your encouragement and your joy. Lord, I need to be reminded that you are right now seated on the throne. It is not from a position of weakness that you said, I make all things new. You didn't say to the one that eventually will be seated on the throne. 
You didn't say that through world events, Jesus is climbing and scraping and trying to get on the throne. Right now, in heaven, he is seated on the throne. When the world feels that it is in chaos, there is a sovereign Lord who's not forsaken his throne that says, I am in control of everything. And I'm working. I'm working through your faith. I'm working through your heart. I'm working through your obedience to make all things new. And Lord, we ask you that you would teach us to see you on the throne. Teach us, Lord, to see you coming back with vengeance and justice, riding on a white horse, a crown on your head that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords, a vesture dipped in blood with the blood of your enemies that you've slain as a testimony that nothing can stand in your way. A sword, two-edged sword coming out of your mouth and with it you will slay all your foes. And you come with judgment and with mercy. You come with forgiveness and righteousness. You come to tear down but also to rebuild. You come to bring death, but also to bring life. And Lord, our heart longs to trust you and to look to you and say, Lord, come. Come, Lord. Prepare the bride. Prepare the bride. Prepare the bride. Oh, Lord, let the bride be ready for you. Lord, let us have fresh oil in our lamps. Let us be ready. Let us not be the foolish virgins. They have no oil in their lamps that weren't ready for the coming of the bridegroom. Teach us, Lord, to be ready. Teach us to cry, Lord, come quickly. Come and have your way in our hearts. Comfort us, refresh us, renew us, Lord, in your presence. Have your way, Lord. Worship the Lord, Thank you.